Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope today's message encourages you, but before we get to that, we want to remind you, if you want to get connected to what God is doing here at our campus, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find links to our social media platforms, and a lot more. Just text Cersei to 88000 or visit newlifechurch.tv. Now get your Bible and note apps ready to go and prepare to hear a great message today. We are working our way through a series that is in the book of Mark. And if you haven't been here with us over the past couple of weeks, don't worry, I'm going to recap in just a moment. But I want to start with a simple question today. And I don't want you to be ashamed of this question. I basically just want to put us all on a level field of play. And so I want to ask you if you had made a decision to follow Christ or whatever it was that was in your particular belief system that said, I am saved, and you started this journey of faith, this walk with God, and then years begin to pass or months begin to pass or maybe even decades begin to pass, and something crept into your life and you raised the question internally, am I really saved? Am I still good? Okay. If that's ever been you, I want you to just raise your hand. Okay. The rest of you are lying. That's a that's next Sunday. We'll talk about that. So we have this thing inside of us. Okay, now today is going to be <laughs> that message. That message where you're gonna have to choose to walk out offended or you're gonna be okay with it. Okay. It's, there's going to be some strong pieces to this, but the goal of today is to confront. This is a discipleship series, and I told you that three weeks ago, and so today is where we really start to push toward the change that begin to take place with Peter, James, John, and Andrew, and we're going to look at, at that closely. Now, the way I want to open this up is this. I can't speak for everyone in this room, obviously. It'd be unfair, but... I think I can speak for a lot of us when I say that often the gravitational pull of religion is normally um, towards some kind of behavioral conformity. All right, so religion is always playing tug-of-war with you and it always tends to be pulling towards some type of behavioral conformity. Now, Henry Cloud says this, and I thought this was one of the greatest quotes. He said, the best way to get out of tug-of-war is to let go of your end of the rope. Okay? What a great quote. And I hope that today that happens. That some of you just say, I'm done with that. Okay? I'm just... I'm taking my hands off of it, and whatever's trying to pull me in that direction can no longer pull me, all right? So as we start to unpack this today, I want you to keep in mind that, that there is this pull that religion does that tends to pull us toward some type of changing of behavior. Now, some of that is, is okay, and we'll get to that next week. Um, sanctification, becoming more like Christ, sure, I do believe in that, very important. But that's not what I'm going to talk about right now. It's not where we are in the story. So behavioral conformity and the gravitational pull of religion 
tends to be expressed like, like this. We say things like, this is how we do it here. Now, we don't necessarily come out and say that, but it works its way through our values, vision, uh, the core thoughts, uh, sermons, songs, uh, structure, the mission, uh, whatever else you want to call it, and it manifests as a statement, hey, this is how we do it here. All right? So every single gathering of people has a this is how we do it here. And I want you to think about the, maybe the churches you've been in during your life or you visited or you've watched on television and you say, that's how they do it. That, you know, I always call it a flavor of church. So that's how that church does it. There are many, many, many different flavors of church in our community alone. And each one of them has a, this is how we do it here. It's why as a guest to those churches, it creates an awkward tension for you. You go in, you don't know how to dress, you don't know what's accepted, you don't know what to say, you don't know where to go, you don't know what the tenets of faith are, you don't know what's going to be preached or sung, or if there's going to be haze or a drummer, uh, you, you, you don't know what's, what's going to happen. And so you, you quickly start to develop, oh, that's how they do it here. Okay, and we would call that, a, a conformity, all right? It's, it's a pull of, of religiosity. But where we really drop the ball is when how we do it becomes sacred. When we start to look at the how church is done becomes more sacred than the message we're trying to communicate that Jesus taught. And I think one of the best things to neutralize this, to bring us back into some rationality here, is to really think um, how simple it was, the message of Christ. How simple it was to follow. We are the ones who've complicated it. We are the ones who said, let's formalize this. Let's organize it. Let's organize it to the point where we scare people off from it. I mean, let's make it really hard to be a believer. And that's not the heart that Jesus had at all. The how becoming sacred in many times has killed us. It splits churches. It closes churches. And so behavioral conformity can be why people leave religion or leave church. Millennials right now are leaving the church in droves saying, I'm never going back there. Why? Because the boredom of behavioral conformity, robbing creativity, or this is how I want to express myself or live my life, or this is how I want to go after goals, and you're trying to put every bit of that in a box, and instead of having the freedom that you tell me is there in Christ, all I do is feel pressure. So never mind. You do your thing, I'll do mine. Hopefully we end up at the same place. It's kind of a rolling of the dice. And so the reason people leave often is they know there are rules, but then they have some tension because they either don't like the rules or they don't want to keep the rules or bluntly, the rules don't make any sense. So they look at them and go, man, that, I, don't, I don't think I even want to be a part of that. Matter of fact, I told you all, you got to buckle up today. Matter of fact, 
Oftentimes when you leave a rule-driven faith community, on the outside you kind of look back and you go, there were some weird things there. Like, like some things we were doing, well, that can't be right, right? We look at it and we go, man, that was weird. Now listen, I value how I was raised. I've always taught you, you that and told you that and tried to honor that and and uh, I, I, I value it. There was a specific group of people who taught me how to love Christ, and I'm thankful for that. My parents being two of them. Robbie and I were raised very similar, but respectfully, there was a time when we had to look at our walk with God and how we were raised, and there was an internal conflict with behavioral conformity that was expected of our family, especially in ministry. Now, I'm going to be very candid, open up, just share a, a little bit about that, and I, I'm not... Trying to be funny, but at the same time, it's funny. I remember one time I went to a church, and uh, it was well, it was out of state, and I was about to have to drive four to six hours home. And so I waited till everybody left, and I went into uh, the restroom, and I changed into something more comfortable, shorts and T-shirts. I came out, and a family saw me in shorts. I never got asked back. And I got a really nasty letter in the mail. That's before email. It was a snail mail, so they were mad like three days till it got to me. And, I... and it doesn't take long to have some of those things happen, and you start to make the adjustments because you don't necessarily feel that what happened equates to the discipline or the holiness or the righteousness or whatever you want to put it on, right? Let me give you an example of how that, how that played out, out, out for me. So, again, place yourself in 1990. I had a Sir Mix-a-Lot Swass CD. Hey. <laughs> Ain't nobody in here going to work with me today. Okay. Uh, uh, Tuesday. Yeah. Sir Mix-a-Lot Swass. Okay. Now, you don't have to raise your hand if you know who that is. Just wink at me. I'll know. What I did is it was it was on, on, on a tape, so I just pulled out the, the cover and wrote Michael W. Smith on it. Stuck it in my... That's how I did it. I had a cassette tape full of Christian music. <laughs> oh, y'all are laughing because I'm not alone there. Yeah, y'all said Sandy Patty and all kinds of stuff. Oh, my gosh. So, I want to start today in Mark chapter 2, this is where we are, and this statement that Jesus is about to make totally surrounds everything I've just talked about. And when removed from its original context, this statement is very easy to miss. If you were going through the one-year Bible and you just read it and you weren't thinking about it, it would, it would not even satisfy you. You just move right on by it. But when you put it in its context, you have to realize that when Jesus says this, there had to have been gasps take place in the crowd because it had a lot of weight to it, okay? And this is what it says, verse 27 of Mark chapter 2. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, this announcement, just leave, leave this, this up. What, what this announcement really means is this. People are more important than the Sabbath. 
And I want you to feel this. People are more important than the Sabbath. Okay? Listen, keeping the Sabbath is what you did. It was part of the rules. It was somehow connected in their minds to the holiness or the righteousness or the characteristics of God. Now, a lot of times we see this in our own culture when people believe if I will just show up to church on Easter, then God's got to be, that, that, that's great, right? Or if I come to a candlelight service or if I take communion or if I'm baptized or if I sing a song or if I serve, and suddenly the behavioral conformity begins to dictate whether or not you are truly in good standing. And Jesus drops a bomb on this and begins to tell them, basically, you're not understanding the Father's intent. The Sabbath was made for you. You were not made for a day of the week. He is prioritizing in a huge way to say the most important thing about any of this is you. Not a rule, not the conformity, not a behavior, not a belief, you. That God loves you. And if you didn't believe that, then it's all wrong. Everything that you had up in here that's dropped into your heart, that's now working out into your hands and feet, it's wrong. It's broken. The Sabbath is, is for you. Now, if you need me to put this in modern language, let, 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 me, let me try this. Okay? I want you to put this next slide up if you got it. No, that's not it. You go back, nobody has. Is that on there? No, there's not one in between there. That was very important. Let me put it this way. Nobody has children. So there will be someone to play with toys. Nobody has children. So there will be somebody to play with toys. Right? You're not standing around at home one day with a Lego in your hand and going, you know what? We should really have some kids. We should have some kids to play with this stuff, right? Let's have kids. Because we have toys. Toys are for children, not children are for toys. Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, let, let's go further, okay? This is going to hurt somebody right now. Okay, I'm trying to change lives here today. Let's go further. God did not create us so there would be someone to keep his rules. God did not create us because he needed someone to keep the rules. Watch. His command and wisdom and precepts are for us because God is for us. And you may be here today and honestly, you don't think God is on your team. 
Because your whole life has been about behavioral conformity. And this is why you make a decision to follow Jesus and you, you pray a prayer or you change your life or you, you start to, to, to follow what Scripture tells us about loving our neighbor and, and, and loving God and you feel the transformation. But somewhere in you is that itch you can't scratch and you go, am I really okay? Why? Because behavioral conformity is pulling your cart. And here's the, the if this comes down to you and I being able to do it, we're all lost. We're done for. It has to be involved in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, if God loves you more than God loves his commandments, let me tell you something really strong about this. When we get this reversed, people get hurt. Because when the be-all, end-all is about the rules and not about people, you have secured yourself to a destructive doctrine and people will abandon that ship every time because it cannot coexist with spiritual health. Right? In other words, if rules are what is driving you, you are spiritually sick. If rules are what is driving you, you need a great physician. If rules are driving you, you need some freedom. And whenever religious leaders used the law of God to manipulate people made in the image of God, Jesus was quick to remind them they were on the wrong side of God. So what I've said thus far may be the biggest struggle you have. Specifically the biggest struggle you, struggle you have in trusting God. Because when something goes awry for you, you know what your first sentence is? I've kept the rules. Come on, somebody. Something hard happens. Wait a minute. Am I not? Am I not doing all the things? Man, we got to get free of this. When we realize this is not about the rules and it's about how much God loves us, it changes the complete filter by which you live your life. And if you let rules be the filter for everything that happens to you, your life in Christ is going to be physically exhausting. And you're going to quickly forget and shelf and put away a great scripture that says, Hey, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There was a reason for this. Because people were killing themselves trying to fulfill law. Now, I hope for the rest of this, you'll hear what Jesus is saying about the Father. And any religious mindset can be broken today, and you can walk away with more freedom than you've ever had. Now, I was going to take some time and recap the last three weeks, but I would rather tell you to go check out the podcast because I want more time with y'all. So I'm going to fast forward. Mark chapter 2, let's watch this, verse 15. 
So Jesus, coming off of last week, has asked Levi, which we now know is Matthew, to follow him. And when he responds by doing so, Jesus goes to Levi's house for dinner. Now, I kind of played with that last week that Peter might have been upset and said, why should I go, uh, uh, tax collector? We got a good thing going. Our life group was fine with just the five of us. Why you want to add a tax collector? This isn't fair. I'm not sure that I want to follow anymore. Because in this culture, having a dinner in a home implied that you accepted them. But it gets worse, okay? So Mark chapter 2, verse 15, it goes on and says, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So once again, there's missing information because we don't know who, but either Jesus or Levi invited the whole office. So they're, they're now many tax collectors are there. Okay, They filled the house. They got spaghetti or, or something going on. Um, I couldn't think of a, of a better meal to have than that one right now, so that's what came out. And in Mark chapter 2, watch this, verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they called his disciples over. They were like, hey, why does he eat with them? Why is, why is he eating with, with sinners and tax collectors? In verse 17, on hearing this, watch, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And Levi's like, <laughs> y'all are not catching on today. Jesus is like, all these people are sick. What was probably said was this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but, but the sick. Sorry, Levi, and all other tax collectors. That's probably how that went down. But Levi is not offended, and here's why. Because it was an opportunity, an opportunity for forgiveness and peace and a second chance. And in Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, I have not come to call, which is a word that we would, we would use for like reach out. I've not come to reach out to the righteous, but to sinners. And if we peek into early culture for just a second, ancient religions did not try to persuade you to come over to their cause. All right? Example, pagans did not try to convert you to their particular view of paganism. In ancient times, the gods were like apps. So if you wanted rain for your crops, if you wanted a child, if you wanted to win a war, no problem. There's a god for that. Right? There was a collection of gods dependent upon what your needs were. So this is big because Jesus has come along and he has invited the entire group, anyone who will listen in the audience, to leave something old in order to embrace something new. Now this was a true trapeze moment. And it's still a trapeze that is in action today that many of us still have not totally decided upon. There's a moment in a trapeze act where one of the artists has to swing over and choose. Let go of one, grab the other. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a trapeze artist, but I would imagine... That if you let anything creep in your mind in that moment, it does not end well. Trapeze over, let go of one, grab the other. This is what he's giving them. And this is what some of us struggle with because in one hand, we have rules. 
religion, behavioral conformity. And yet in the other, we're preaching at the same mouth about freedom and salvation and eternity and abundant life in Jesus, and we're stuck. Because we feel the same tension they felt. If I let go of all these things I've known and done and the rules, and I truly believe that there's a God who loves me, and I truly believe that no matter what I've done, my sins are forgiven, and I go with this, this is going to be odd for me. So it's just easy for me to be double-minded and double-tongued. Let me hold on. So Jesus decides to make it clear that he was not going to try and tweak something old. He was not going to try and fit in. As a matter of fact, in Mark 2, 21, if you're following me, 21 and 22, you can highlight that. He gives them this example, okay? Stay with me. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth. We don't even use the word unshrunk. No one sews a patch of unshrunk, that's how that got translated, on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece pulls away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skin, and the wine and the wineskins both will be ruined. Now, his audience was like, we know this. Common sense. This was not new knowledge, so you have to hear this as him telling them something they already know. But watch, this, this is where it, it becomes powerful. New cloth and new wine. These are what he used to let them know there was no way his message could blend with the old garment rules or the old container mindsets that they were protecting. It was incompatible. You can't take the old message of rules and your old mindset and align them with anything that I'm bringing to this table. It's incompatible. They are not going to get a, a along. Now, here's where I hope some of you become changed this morning. Okay, watch this. Jesus became the fulfillment of the law. Meaning this, it ended with him. Therefore, he has all the power to retire it. And he does. And he starts something new. And you and I are part of that story. We're on this end of that invitation. So if new wine, which is his message, has to go into new wineskins, what is that? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. And it's you and me. It's this new ecclesia that he began to gather. And a new message that became so separate that he would give his life to secure it. And let me wrap up with this. In Mark 3... I don't have time to do the details. You, you can read it later. In Mark 3, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. And the Pharisees, watch this, the Bible says, begin a plot to kill him. Now, wait, why, 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 don't, you just, why, why don't you run him out of town or embarrass him or imprison him or warn him, but kill him? 
Why is this such a big deal? Okay, stay connected with me for just just a minute. Don't 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 lose concentration here. This was not just the result of scared men who were holding on too tightly. This is the result of what happens when new wine is poured into old skins and when new cloth is sewn onto old garments. It tears and it separates and it destroys and it kills. And that tension can remain in you. It can remain in churches. It can remain in a church culture. It can split a church. It can close a church. It can, show, it, it, it can cause a church to, to come together and be so religious that Jesus is not within 100 miles of it. And religious people and religious leaders have tried to do this ever since. And religion in you will tear you apart and set your mind to do evil things under the shadow of a steeple. If you don't grasp this big truth with both hands, okay? Here's the apex of this message. If you walk away with one thing, walk away with this. You cannot live under law and under freedom at the same time. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So I'll close with this. If you're a sinner, and you are, and I am, we're all invited to follow Jesus. Hear me, no matter where you are, no matter what you come from, no matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, for God so loved the world, everybody in it. And following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. That's why you should follow. It will make your life better and make you better at life. You got to choose. You got to choose. And listen, the enemy right now could be, could be at work in three, four, five, six of you. And the things that I've said today, they, they, they bring anger to you because your entire religious construct is built on the wrong stuff. Because you've spent 20, 30, 40 years following rules. And the truth is, you haven't grown in Christ in three decades. That'd make me mad too. So what, what can you have today? Freedom. You can be free. You can realize that every single thing in this life, from the breath that you're drawing right now to the bird that will be singing when you go outside, to the sun that is shining, to the rain that will fall later, later this week, to the ground that your feet walk on, to the rest that you get tonight was created for the person. Because he loves us. And you have freedom in that. Freedom to be with Christ. Okay. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a second. I want to talk to your heart. Okay.